0: Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance podcast with executive coach and best selling author Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friend, and welcome. To the podcast, as always, I'm excited to talk with you, and I am honored that you are sharing your time with me. This is actually the latest in the day. I have actually recorded a podcast. the um, The sun is going down really soon, but there's a good reason. I was so um, it's not busy. Busy is not the right word today. My day was so beautifully full. And I wanted to record this podcast earlier before I went on a hike, but I had roughly 30 minutes before a friend was supposed to get here to go on the hike with me. And you know, I decided it's probably not a good idea to be rushed recording a podcast when the podcast title is on presence. Not presence, the kind of gifts we give, but presence as in being in one place at one time instead of doing and sometimes doing many things at one time. So I am talking about presence, I guess for two reasons. I was inspired for two reasons. One is I have been working on a product to put on the website, work-lifebrilliance.com, to help people reduce their overwhelm and increase their productivity. And by the time this podcast is up, that product should be out there. And um, it's a very important product because so many people are struggling with this horrible, horrible emotion called overwhelm. And overwhelm is actually a bundle of terrible emotions like dread, worry, anxiety, fear, stress. Um, And it actually is defined as being the feeling of submerged. So we are short of breath when we are overwhelmed. And presence, on the other hand, is this feeling of peace and ease and no shortness of breath. The breath comes in and out easily like it's supposed to. And I don't know about you, but I think we all need a lot more presence and peace. So this is in my video about the friends of productivity, which productivity is on the other spectrum from overwhelm. When you are overwhelmed, you are not productive. Your energy is scattered. Your brain is scattered. Your efforts are scattered and you are confused. When you are productive, you are clear, focused. You have moments of flow and you look back on the day and feel like you got important stuff done. So very different Uh, ends of the spectrum. And when we are most productive, we are in flow. And that is this feeling of peaceful stretching. So when we're in flow, it's not like we're just sitting there, but we are so present in the moment of what we're doing. We are so engaged that even though what we're doing might take all of our attention and presence, uh, it's so satisfying to devote it to that thing because it's something we're good at. It's something that feels meaningful and purposeful. And um, so I want some more of that. I don't know about you, but I want a lot of peace and presence. But it's really hard to do. So I have a feeling I might swear a little bit in this one, even though it's really a not very provocative uh, topic, but I'm just really passionate about it. So I just want to put that out there in case you have any kiddos listening to this. Um, it's possible it's going to happen. So this was also inspired, not just by the project I was creating, but the project was inspired by my clients. And this week in particular, so about three weeks ago, I had a group coaching kickoff, which I got to spend a whole day with six amazing people. And we got really into flow in that meeting. And we got into this connected connectedness. And it was kind of Zen. Everybody was just really fully present. And then, of course, they'd go on the breaks and do their email and phone and all that stuff. Um, but then they'd come back, we'd get grounded, and they were pre- present. And then two weeks later, we had our first video call. And the energy, oh my gosh. So we had a vacation in between there where everybody got to experience more Zen being off work. And then they came back. And a leader had decided to move up a date that put tons of pressure on departments, everybody in them. And one person couldn't even make the meeting because she had an urgent meeting to talk about the new deadline and how they were gonna make it. And other people were on the call just fried. They did not even seem like the same people energetically. Fried, frazzled, scattered. And I thought, oh my gosh, if they're feeling like this, just imagine the people even below them, because the less power you have in an organization, the more these decisions affect you and the least less control you have. So they're feeling responsible for their teams, they're feeling responsible for this deadline, and they are having a hard time being present. They did it, but their energy was all over the place. And they were thinking thoughts that cause overwhelm. You see, overwhelm is not caused by all the stuff coming at you. It's not. Your brain handles 60 billion bits of data every second. I'm sorry, 60 million. 60 million bits of data, not billion. It's a lot, though. 60 million bits of data, but your brain knows that you can't actually process all that, so it just takes care of it in the back end. It takes care of it in your subconscious brain. And it lets you be aware of only 60 bits of data. 60 bits are getting through. So it's not the stuff coming at you. It's our thoughts about the stuff. So we think things like, I have to do it all. I should be able to do it all. Everyone else is doing it all. What's wrong with me? Or I don't have enough time. We always have time for our most important things. We all have the same 24 hours. We all have bodies that need to sleep about a third of those except for less than 4% of the population. So, and some of us might think a different thought which is, well, I'm doing it all. What the hell are you doing? These thoughts create overwhelm and that last one creates overwhelm and resentment. The others create overwhelm and guilt or shame. And these thoughts don't help. These thoughts cause that feeling of being submerged, of being cornered when we think, I should be able to do it all. What's wrong with me? I'm confused. These drive us to overwhelm. So we can't just clear out our priority list and go home. We have to clean up our thoughts. We have to create spaces between our thoughts, pauses between activities. And then we have to bring some awareness and peace to that moment so we can collect ourselves and then decide mindfully, instead of defaulting automatically, decide mindfully what comes next. In that moment of peace, we find clarity to help us decide what matters most. Or what do I have time for? Presence is really hard. Being is hard. Doing is much easier. Our brains are built to be active, on the move, solving problems. So I have a client who is struggling with confidence, Now, normally, this is not an issue for him, but he took on a new job, voluntarily took on a new job, same company, completely different organization. So he is a novice. And he is getting feedback that he doesn't sound confident. And he agrees he doesn't sound confident because he's not confident. So he came to me saying, so essentially, I think I need to figure out How to sound confident even though I don't feel confident? I said, well, that's one way you could do it. In fact, Amy Cuddy, in her famous TED Talk, Amy Cuddy of uh, Harvard, has a phrase that I love called, fake it until you become it. And it is all about how do I embody confidence? Because if I start with my body, if I stand up straight, if I take a big pose, if I take up space in my chair... My brain will shift. And then I'm also reading The Twelve Rules of Life, Twelve Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, by Jordan B. Peterson. And I'm not all the way through it. Fabulous. Highly recommend it, though. But the first rule is stand up straight with your shoulders back. And he talks about all about the 250-million-year-old dominance theory. And so dominance is as old as beans. And in order to be and feel dominant and have the secretion of the neurotransmitter serotonin, which makes you feel important, you have to stand up straight. When you slump, you don't get serotonin. You get depressed. You feel a lack of confidence. So all that to say, I tell my client, there is something to... Looking and sounding confident, but I want to do more. I wanted him to actually feel more confident. And in order to do that, if you've been listening to me, you know, emotions don't just happen. Emotions happen because of a thought we have. So when he thinks, "I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing," and when he thinks. In order to add value in my job, I need to be the expert. These were two thoughts he was having. Those are confidence killers for somebody who is not the expert anymore. So I offered this to him. I said, I have been around you for an entire day in addition to the time we've spent on the phone. And I can tell you that even when you are quiet, you have a powerful presence. I can feel you and your awareness and your intention and your attention. And I said, do you agree that you have a powerful, strong presence? And he said, yes. Like, wow, okay. If he had said no, then this probably wouldn't have worked. But I was being honest and he believed me. And one of the reasons he believed me is because he has embodied that most of his life. He has taken on challenges in his life that people have no idea. And he's done it. So he knows that he has this presence, this capability. He's just not feeling it right now. And then I told him a little personal story. I said, when it comes to me advising my executive clients, I am not an expert in just about anything subject matter wise they do at work. My gift to them, first and foremost, is my presence. And I know this is true because of an experience I had about, oh, eight years ago now, when I had simultaneously Lyme disease and mold poisoning. Both of those things create a syndrome known as brain fog. And I don't know how to describe it other than um, my brain felt like jello. I could barely string words together into a coherent sentence. It was scary. And I had to live. I was, a, I was newly divorced. I had to work. And in the beginning, I was really scared. Because I am used to having a brain that thinks quickly, that pulls metaphors out of nowhere, that connects dots very quickly. So I had no problem with presence, uh, but I had a quick brain that could analyze what I was experiencing when I was present with somebody and then come up with something a model or an example or a metaphor. All I had now was presence and listening. And asking questions. And I could even write the questions down, good open-ended questions, like, how can you tell? And what else? And what do you think caused that? You know, really good open-ended questions that cause somebody to actually think and go into their rich store of information in their brain. And I could feel and witness my clients solving their own problems and finding peace where before their thoughts were tied up in knots. And it didn't take me long before I realized I had to upgrade my thought that I am no use to anybody while I have brain fog. And I found this upgrade. I, if I'm present, I will be useful in ways that I cannot predict. And so every time before I picked up the phone, I would center myself, become Extremely peaceful, extremely present, and tell myself that thought. And I believed it, and it was true. So, if you have your thoughts tied up in knots, if you're very confused, very emotional, who do you want to talk to? Do you want to talk to somebody who's going to interrupt you and have the answer to your question? This is what you should do. Or do you want to talk to somebody who is fully present? with their whole body, with their whole heart, with their whole spirit who listens. I know what I want. When I have been in the most crisis, I chose very carefully who I spoke with. If I wanna get fixed, I'm gonna go to a healer, a doctor who can put my vertebrae back together or give me a a shot to stop sciatica. That's when I want to get fixed. But if I need to untie my thoughts, I just want somebody who's present, who can be empathetic, who can be my witness. Recently, I was standing in my kitchen, and a friend said, hey, I had an idea for a product. And I stopped what I was doing. Nothing was burning. And I turned, and I just turned my whole body. And I said, go ahead. I'd love to hear about it. He said. He looked at me. Um, you're actually like really listening right now. I said, "Why wouldn't I be listening?" It's like mm, most people just kind of shrug this off. Uh, but he had an idea for a product. I think you, people don't say that all the time. I'm Oh, this is very interesting. And I had the ability to be present. Now sometimes my daughter will say something to me like, "Hey, mom, you know what happened?" I said, "Oh, honey, hold on. I'm not present right now. Let me wrap up X, Y, Z, and come into a room where I can hear you better. And then please tell me." Because I just want to admit it, I am not present right now. Can you hold on 10 seconds, 30 seconds? I think she appreciates that. Oh, and by the way, my friend's idea, <laughs> I'm listening to it, I'm asking questions, and I'm like, holy cow, this is brilliant. And then three weeks later, he's working with a design engineer, he has an attorney, and he's writing the patent application as we speak. So I got to witness the beginning of this because I was present. So, okay, how do you be present? You have to create space between the thoughts. And this takes practice. It takes awareness. Usually our awareness is out there. I'm asking you to put your awareness on your thoughts. That's what the Buddha taught. Just pay attention. You don't have to change anything yet. Just pay attention to what's happening. And Eckhart Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, says, the moment you realize you're not present, you are present. Boom. (laughs) I think you got to do a little bit more than that, but I love that. And he says, whenever you're able to observe your mind, you are no longer trapped in it. Now, I don't know about you, but my mind can feel like a trap when I keep spinning and looping the same thought. I don't want to just notice, hey, there's that thought looping and looping and looping. That's great. That's the first step. I want to upgrade that thought. So for my client who found out that he was thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, I have to be an expert, or I'm not any good to anybody, maybe he would decide to remind himself that if I am present, I will ask great questions and I will add value. For somebody else who might be saying, I don't know what to do next. I am so overwhelmed. They might want to pause and ask themselves, What do I have time for? How much time do I have? And then what's the best use of that? When somebody comes to us, instead of just adding value, we can notice that somebody has just asked us for something or somebody has just complained about something and we can notice what thought we have about fixing it. And instead, we can pause and we can ask, what do you most need from me right now? Maybe they just need you to listen. Maybe they do want advice, but you need to know a little bit more about the situation before you give it. Either way, you are going to add more value the more present you are. Instead of giving advice immediately, you're going to ask some really good questions that start with what and how. Instead of, did you try XYZ? Or, why don't you go do blah? The other thing we have to do is notice when we are having ambivalent thoughts, and that's holding two opposing thoughts at the same time. Like, I really wanna be with my kids right now, and I really wanna check my email, or I really wanna work on that project. Guess what? If you are with your kids and you are having that other thought, you are not going to be fully present. So you have to choose back to deciding instead of defaulting. I know that takes energy, but it's worth it. And you can involve the other person and say, you know what, mommy has to work and go check her email, but mommy's gonna do that in 45 minutes. Right now, I wanna be here with you. And hey, if you like, set a timer. If that makes you feel better, the whole family, then when the timer goes off, goes oh, time for mommy to go do her email. And when you are with somebody, listen with your whole self. Be there with your whole self. I love Susan Scott's line from Fierce Conversations. Be here prepared to be nowhere else. You know when somebody is preparing to be somebody somewhere else, even though they're with you. You can feel it sometimes. You can even see it in their bodies. We humans, again are hard on ourselves when it comes to being. Human beings were more like human doings. We are tinkerers, problem solvers. One of my clients, lovely human being. They called me in because half her team had quit. It was not a good place to be. And she had this noble intent that she discovered in our coaching To deliver as much value as possible. Her I'm not good enough story was so loud. She wanted to get five star ratings with her clients all the time. And at times, that was causing her to leave her direct reports in the dust. If they weren't moving fast enough, if they were making mistakes, she would just take it over. And it wasn't because of malevolence. She just had this thought that things have to be perfect things have to be on time or early. And guess what? Her clients loved that, but the culture in her group was not great. And she was very driven to work on herself. And she'd had coaches in the past and she did what they told them to do, but it hadn't stuck because she hadn't upgraded this thought about adding value. And I told her about Marshall Goldsmith's famous book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And leaders, as they move up the hierarchy have to learn how to add less value because when a leader dictates something to do, people do it. People scramble even if it's not the thing to do. Leaders need to get out of doing and fixing and get into facilitating and supporting and they need to make themselves really safe so somebody can come to them and say, that thing you told us to do is dumb. It's making everybody cuckoo. It's making everybody stressed. People are calling in sick. People who would never call in sick or calling in sick because they are working too hard. So my client had to learn what value actually was, what it looked like. It felt very different the way she was going to start adding value. And she had to practice this and see and get proven results. Oh my gosh, when I back off, people shine. She had to be very transparent because people were going to wonder, what the heck are you smoking? So she had to tell them, hey, I discovered this thought I have, and it's causing me to act in ways that leave you in the dust. I did not intend to do that. I'm really sorry. I'm working on this. And then people are on board with her. Let's give this a try. And it aligns with who she wants to be. She wants to be a great leader who creates a great culture on her team with great morale and great authenticity. And she is doing it. She is no longer stressed out and emotional at work. And she is no longer triggered by this story. And she says it's like the clock has been wound back. And she is herself 10 years ago before this story became so powerful in her head and started driving her to drive people away because of this need to do things perfectly. So now she creates pauses, she creates peace, she creates a space where people can actually tell her, hey, that worked, or hey, no, you're being too micromanaging right now. They have this honesty between them because of this presence she has brought, backing off the gas pedal and really adjusting to what's truly needed because now she can sense it because she is present. So I would like you tonight to do try this at home. Set an intention to be present one place at one time. Tell others you're doing it. Turn off your distractions. Turn off the technology. And write down some questions you want to ask if that's important to you. Or write down why you're doing this in the first place. Why is this a priority to you? And then be in one place. Decide how long you want to do it and be in one place for that long. And then savor the moment. And oh, by the way, your kids probably need to work on this too. They're probably going to go, "Uh, Mom, Dad, really? Um, Can I go do homework now? Can I go watch a show now? So it doesn't have to be a long duration. Just practice moments of being in one place fully. One last quote from Eckhart Tolle whenever you interact with people, don't be there as a function of a role, but as a field of conscious presence. We could all use a lot of consciousness and presence around us. We feel seen, we feel heard, we feel held. We feel peace instead of scattered. So whether you use an app like Calm or um, Headspace to help you practice noticing your mind, just start small, even if it's 30 seconds, or start a ritual before you go into a meeting, before you open a door, before you log on to that next call. Take a breath. Notice your thoughts. Notice your body. Where do you notice agitation, stress? Breathe into it and remind yourself of how you want to be in that next interaction. And you, my friend, are going to become very, very attractive to people who will seek you out because of your presence. And if you are already doing this, please spread the word and help other people present, right? I have so enjoyed your presence on this lovely evening or lovely morning, wherever you are. And, um, I hope it was helpful. Take care, my friend. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.